There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Nerds Podcast number 423. Uh, on Comedy Central starting on October 21st after Colbert at midnight, Monday through Thursdays. Um, that's my show. That's a new show. That I got. It's uh, sort of a fake game show that uh, where comedians come on and we uh, make fun of the shit that we found on social media in a fake game show format. It's a it's a game show in the sense that they are competing, but it's it's sort of fake in the sense that it's not like Price is Right, where people are competing for fabulous prizes. They're competing for the preservation of their own egos, which is a much more valuable prize to a comedian than a dinette set. So that's at midnight, starting October 21st. After Gobert, please uh, give it a shot. This episode of the podcast is uh, Marky Ramone and Andrew W.K., who have been touring together. Sure are. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Chris. Where'd you come from? I was hiding over in the corner. In my dreams. Yeah. And now I'm going to get into your car since I left your dreams. Beep, beep. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Ocean. Yeah. I found out very big in England still. Really? That's what I hear. Oh. Sirius XM doesn't lie. That gives me hope for society. But we're not here to talk about a Billy Ocean concert at the Fonda Theater tonight, we October sure are. 15th. We're here to talk about Marky Ramone's Blitzkrieg. Which is essentially where uh, Marky Ramone has Andrew W.K. and they're doing, what was it, like 35 Ramone songs yeah, or something like that? just in a row. That's at the Fonda Theater. Uh, so if you go to FondaTheater.com, then uh, you can get tickets for that. And you should go do that because uh, I, that's I, insane. That's, that's going to be an insane show. Yeah, that's, that's head exploding. That's two awesome things crashing into each other into headbanging goodness. And so uh, we, uh, we did the podcast with them yesterday. We recorded this kind of early in the morning. Uh, and and it, one, of my, one of the things I love about doing the podcast is just the turns that happen in a show where you because we just don't know where the conversation is going to go, and then you just start peeling back layers and and uh, I don't know I'm sort of a eh, I don't mind sounding pretentious for a half a second um, and sort of a student of humanity Kyle and it's sort of fun to because you know I haven't figured shit out yet and it's kind of fun to dissect uh, people in in the sense of figure out how they how they do things and why they do that things. got it got deep it got deep and super fun. deep like a deep party oh yeah. Like a philosophical party. Yeah. Just like philosophers, but partying. and Maybe we should stop talking about it now. I can't help it. It's the after show in me. <laughs> oh, so many after shows. I got to break shit down. After we stop this, you're, we're going to talk about something and we got to break it down just to scratch that itch for me. Oh, I like it. I really appreciate that. Here's the Nurse Podcast episode number 423 with Marky Ramone and Andrew W.K. Party! Now entering Nerdist.com. You guys came in very early this morning. 
We're punctual. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate it. Ah, thank you. How are you doing? We're doing very well. Good. Is your, how's your voice? It's doing fine. How's yours? It is okay. Okay. Yes, sir. Well, we've covered that. All right. <laughs> what do you guys do? You're, you're doing a show tomorrow night? Yeah. Uh, we're at the Ford Theater. Uh, Henry F- Fonda. Henry. It's the Fonda Theater. Music Box, yeah. Henry Fonda. Music Box. Whatever they call it this week. Yeah. <laughs> it seems it's changed like a few yeah. times in the past decade. I think it's Fonda, Henry Fonda, and the other things. Yes. I wonder if it's family related, though. Oh. You know, Fonda, Henry Fonda, you know. How many Fondas Fonda. are there? Well, there's huh? Jane, Peter, right? Yeah. Henry. Henry. And well, then that's it. There's no one else in the family. I think it's just those three. I'm not three. sure. Maybe it's probably like grand, grandkids. Right. So what's the show? What's the show that you guys are, are you guys doing? Are doing you... 35 classic Ramon songs. 35? Yep. And uh, it's been going great all over the world. That's Good. great. Russia, China, uh, Europe, South America, France, you know, Germany, Spain, and all that stuff. And New York City, we just uh, did really well, Irving Plaza and... And now we're here. Who has the best audiences country-wise and who has the, well, they seem to be enjoying the show, but they're just kind of polite. They're all different. Japan. (laughs) (laughs) They're very polite. They're very polite. (laughs) Japan, definitely. Every country is different. You know, uh, the way they react. You know, the, the way their traditions are and everything. I remember uh, watching, like, a concert footage growing up of just every show in, it seemed like, Europe. Like, it's like they end up, they, they stomp a lot or they just clap a lot. Like, uh, in in Europe? Yeah. Uh, well, they like to the slam dance. They, yeah. You know, they, they're into that, you know, stuff. You yeah. Know, spitting, the slam dancing. And, but, uh, hey, that's their way of showing appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's got, and that, I wonder if that will end up kind of like losing some of its you know because of the internet everyone being aware of what everyone else is doing where you know it's it's uh it's like you know when you would go to different areas like you would see the different types of like punk or the different types of rock and the type of like, oh, yeah. influence it had and it's like oh well you know there used to be that thing where it's like oh la guys they dance like this or like chicago guys it's all different yeah all yeah. different and i wonder if that like as we continue to kind of like be aware of what everyone else is doing if that's gonna everything's gonna start evening out across the world it all gets generalized yeah is this begun yes oh this, okay we started it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i wasn't sure if, we, if there was a By the way, formal that, uh, that beginning that is not an uncommon question okay we yeah, no, it's very uh that's you know, casual to just uh, casual. stumble like into that. right in yeah, we're yeah, lucy yeah. we're lucy Goosey. so how long was it recording before you guys got here uh-huh. okay okay <laughs> no just the last four minutes all right all right uh-huh. why did you <laughs> <laughs> you no, that? I was just curious. I, I mean, uh, I, I've been on, you know, you never know how uh, someone produces the program. Sometimes they, there's an official introduction or a start. and sometimes We are unfortunately, and maybe this is not so great for the guests, we are horrendously understructured. We literally, we sit down, we, we have a conversation. You know, the conversation goes for a little while, and then when I mean, should we explain who's here or who's on the well, show? Everyone knows. Well, that'll happen. You'll do an yeah, intro. Yeah, we'll do. We'll, do, we'll oh, take okay. a little intro, and I'll say Andrew WK's here, Mark Ramon's oh, here, right, and then you never know. And then here's the show that they're doing, and then it just sort of it fades up with us just mid conversation. Oh, yeah, right. we're just chatting, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to tell the difference in your voices. Yes, <laughs> the Marky, Marky, can Marky hide sounds the, exactly like Marky Ramon. Can't hide the yeah. Brooklyn accent. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm always but but I, I want I want to try to learn from you how to not blow out my voice because you manage to not blow out your voice and there must be something there must be are there exercises uh, yeah, warming up is good and and you know obviously early in the morning before you've spoken a lot 
you're going to sound a little different than you would later in the day. So it, uh, it always helps to just, uh, you know, the worst thing for me is is sleeping right before a show and then going right on stage. I think that just being awake and active is, is helpful, but I wouldn't, uh, actually would ask you for advice really more because you use your, your voice in all these different ways, you know, beyond uh, one particular delivery. Like I'm usually just singing or screaming, you know, a, a sort of at a full tilt. There's also just speaking and then doing you know, more nuanced voices for a character or something like that. And then obviously a podcast would be different from television or maybe not. Uh, I, I would actually like to know your approach. <laughs> I don't have one. It's bad. Well, I, it's working then. Ta- talking, talking is the worst thing you can do for your voice. Basically, talking is the worst. Okay. And so that is, that is what I do. Like if you, especially if you have to sing at a show, you really shouldn't talk at all during, during the day. You wow. kind of just want one or the other. I, I, I just goggle. <laughs> With coffee, I just goggle. Any any liquid. I uh, I saw um, uh, George Carlin once, and like he lost his place in a show, and then like um, took a sip of his drink. That was it was just this big thing of like just brown stuff, and then <clears throat> some guy went like woo, and he was he was like no fuck you, it's not it's not booze, and then uh, like uh, he explained that. He was once talking. He was having trouble like uh, doing you know shows after you know two a night, two a night for a long time. That he was losing his voice, and he talked to an opera singer who says, "Oh, you need room temperature uh, flat Coca Cola." He huh. says like something about like just you just drink that, and like it's kind of a temporary fix. Where just kind of the uh, you know the the syrup or the you know sugar just kind of coats your vocal cords and kind of heals really? them temporarily. Yeah. Oh, apple cider vinegar. Really? We yes. were talking about vinegar. Yeah, that's nice. Last Dude, night. Apple, apple, gnarly, apple cider vinegar unfiltered. That shit will fit. Like, if you're starting to get a cold or whatever, it also cures uh, acid reflux. Yeah. It's fantastic. And why is that? Because it seems so acidic. Definitely. Yeah. It seems like the opposite thing. If I had, you know, that feeling of bile reaching up the back of my throat, I would never think, oh, I'll drink a bunch of vinegar, then I'll feel better. But you're saying it neutralizes acid even more than dairy or calcium? It does. Oh. I'm, I'm going to say something that the internet's probably going to correct me on, but I believe vinegar is alkaline. Is that is that correct? Anyone? Good. Uh, Probably. Let's go with that. It might not be scientifically accurate, but let's just say that you can't argue with results. Well, maybe it's you reach a tipping point where it's so acidic that your body can't get any more acidic, so you kind of come out the other way. Like, uh, you know, if someone is uh, hyperactive, they'll take speed, basically, and it calms them down. Yeah. So maybe the body, if you just max out the acid... It's like throat speed. It's basically like throat speed. I did see a dude do that once. I did see a dude uh, smoke speed and then curl up for a nap. And it was the weird. Where did you see that? On my couch. Smoke speed on your couch. Because I was in San Pedro. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's what it was. Or else, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. Okay, yeah. that's all you had to say. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. just but like uh, he like brought out his pipe, smoked it, and then like 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 a little kid just kind of smelling. Like, okay, and just kind of curled <laughs> up. Anytime you tell a story like that, I'll just parenthetically assume one time in San Pedro. Yes, and I always assume. <laughs> If it's speed of San Pedro, if it's Coke, it's Hollywood. If it's when you heroin, see that yeah. sign on the highway, you're gonna think yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah every time. Situation. One ten south. Mm, speed. speed. SP. That's yeah, good. that's right. Yeah, yeah. SP. Right. Speed up and have a nap. Speedro. That's yeah. what they call it down there. Yeah, they should, on the sign should say, uh, "If you lived here, you'd already be high by now." <laughs> you look and you have a Minuteman tattoo. Mm. <laughs> um, so how how's the tour? Like, how's how how's it been received so far? Is it, are, are people do people People naturally assume like, oh, you guys are going to be performing together, or is it is it pretty cool? I don't know it's been great. I mean, uh, 
the, the it's it definitely bridges a generation gap. You have all the the older Ramon, older Ramones fans, and you have the younger ones that are seventeen to twenty, twenty one. So uh, they weren't around when we retired, but they want to hear the songs. So we uh, we're playing them thirty five, and uh, he he his delivery is great, and uh, the music is still the way it should be, and uh, this is the result. This yeah. is what we've been doing. So those kids, like, so Adios Amigos came out in 96? Yep. Seven. And they were six. about maybe five, four or five years old. Yeah. But that's the, that's, you know, that's the thing about, like, um, that I've always enjoyed about, like, like, like punk in general. It's like, it's uh, when you kind of get into it, you ha- there's all these prerequisite albums that you end up, like, there's, you know, the, if you find the proper guy at the record store, it's like he goes, oh, you like, you got into punk? Well, what's a record store? Yeah. <laughs> when you go to your favorite Spotify playlist guy or something. Uh, <laughs> right. When you go to your favorite suggestion bot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, like, there's that thing that happens where it's like, uh, it's like, oh, you know, you like this? Well, then you need to check out this. And it's always like, you right. know, like the Ramones or the Misfits or the, you know, or, and then as they continue, go, and then it turned into, you know, Black Flag and Mighty Throat. And it's like, it's, it's a neat little, like, quick history. And that's why I think. The, you mean the Misfits with Danzig? Well, yes, with dancing. No, 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 no. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the album they put out last year. Not that. No, God, please. <laughs> no, you see, they got to be with with Danzig or Michael Graves, or there's no misfits. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember I tweeted something like like I saw because the misfits came to Hawaii. Well, the misfits came to Hawaii in '98. Uh, uh, that's where I'm from, uh, and that was the third incarnation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and like I said, like oh, when I saw and like some guy on Twitter just probably ten tweets at me deep, going, "How dare you say you saw the Misfits? You didn't see. It's not the Misfits without." Right. And then exactly. I was like, I was like, but I, yeah, but I was a kid, and and it was really exciting. So right. I'm sorry yeah, I didn't yeah. bring any because it's of, in Hawaii. Yeah, and no one comes to you. No one comes to Hawaii. It's nice. Well, they go. Well, they everyone's gone there because of Elvis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Live in, in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, it's rare. Was this uh, was this daunting for you, or was it exciting, or how do you how do you uh, approach this? Definitely a, a, a both. Uh, very, very exciting, and that was the main feeling, and obviously uh, my motivation for, for wanting to be part of it. But I was also very intimidated and very nervous, and uh, just also just wondered if physically I'd be able to play that many songs and and do it uh, at the level that. I knew it should be done, and it's very intense music to begin with, and then to do it live. Um, you know, I've never really sung for any other bands except my my own music, and even then, I would never thought of myself as a singer. I just had to. Uh, that was sort of the the task that I needed to accomplish to to make the music I wanted to make. Someone had to sing it. But uh, when Marky Ramone asks you to do something, you know, and, and invites <laughs> you, it, there was never also there was never any debate in my mind. I just had to figure out some way to rise to the occasion, and I'm extremely, uh, extremely thankful that he, he gave me the chance to do it. And, and the, the best part is, the music is so good that it 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 pulls you up to a higher level. You know, uh, I usually lower things by my association. <laughs> but the music in this case it pulls you know it pulls everybody up. It, it makes us possible. Yeah. Uh, do you really think that capable? Do you really think that you lower stuff, or are you just... Oh, absolutely. No, really? No, why, do you, well, why would you say that? Well, I mean, it's. I feel like a lot of times, uh, like, for example, on this podcast, I'm now lowering the standard <laughs> of the podcast, but for me, I'm being yeah. elevated, being, you know... On <laughs> That's not true. This is show. Come on. No, but it, it, I always just feel like, wow, of all the people that get the chance to do this, why me? And I feel like I'm representing a lot of people's dreams in, you know, getting to sing with Marky, for example, or getting to do anything that we get to do, and, and it, it tries to, uh, you know, it keeps you... Very thankful, but also very, you know, aware that this is a one in a million chance, you know, and don't blow it. 
and uh, it's a good way to feel. I mean, it helps me uh, do my best. Thank you. <laughs> how much? How much of you? When so when you're approaching when you're approaching, uh, you know, to, to do these songs, to essentially cover these songs. Are, are you looking at it as how much do you want to try to keep the sound the way that it was originally versus, well, you want to kind of bring something of yourself to it as well. Like, well, how that's do you, what how he do you does. find that balance? That's what he does. Uh, I didn't want a, uh, any clones. So Andrew delivers his uh, vo- vocals the way, the way he is. He doesn't, uh, you know, he's not trying to copy Joey. I mean, everyone's different. No one is not going to be another Joey. So Andrew does it his way. That's that's what I wanted, and uh, he definitely engages the audience really well, and that's important. That's great. And again, the music is so strong and so demanding. It's almost like saying, "Okay, I'm going to sprint as fast as I can. Now, should I sprint in this style, or should I try to emulate this person's style?" When you're giving all that you have, it kind of just happens how it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't really make a choice of how to go all out. Like if you're going to go all out, it's just going to emerge in a very primal way and, and again the songs kind of take care of it if I just try to sing the best I can you know what happens happens really I mean I don't think I could try to sing it any other way uh, it's it, it just takes everything you have and then what you're left with is hopefully enjoyable definitely <laughs> is it sort of nice for you in the sense of you know I, I don't know does there feel like I don't want to say closure but because it, it's not over but does it sort of feel like you know, wow! I get to do these songs again, and it feels really good being up here. Does it like what's what is the experience like for you? Well, yeah, I, I like to see uh, the uh, generation gap uh, come together. You have the older fans and the younger fans, and it's it, that's what this music does. It's the musical content, the, the lyrical content, and it's the uh, the energy level of the songs, which which youth can relate to. So uh, that's what we're getting. And I enjoy it because uh, I want to keep the music alive and I feel the songs are too good not to be played. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, the younger generation that, uh, again, didn't see the Ramones the first time, at least they're hearing the music properly. And, uh, and it's 2013. Yeah. So it's a whole new... New generation. Are you doing? Uh, are you, are the sets the same? Where it's like just the like like you know one, one, two, ends, three, one four, two three four very yeah. quick. No talking about the weather or your grandmother, or, <laughs> you know. which he's known for. <laughs> right. No, it's straight through, uh, and and you know that that's uh, the way. Yeah. Is, is is does the pinhead make an appearance? Oh uh, no, we we're not, we're not going to re- rely on visuals like that. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. But, it's just uh, about the music. But you know, one guy came on stage and he had the the uh, pinhead on and the outfit, and it's like, okay, go do your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he then he just uh, got off the stage and said goodbye. Oh, that's, that's very polite. <laughs> I mean, that, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, no in-depth conversation about anything, but just uh, bye. See you. Thank you for letting me be the pinhead. See you. <laughs> and he runs off. You know, <laughs> never to be very seen. Professional. Yeah, professional very, very, yeah. very professional. Well, there's something about like uh, you know. It, it, if music is written to try to catch a trend, then obviously it kind of dies with the times. But if, there, if but if music is written purely about an emotional experience of a certain, you know, like whatever someone's going, I just feel like that's every generation is going to catch that because a whole new generation of young people are going to hear that and be like, oh fuck, I identify with that because yeah. that's that's how I feel, and it sort of you know breaks the mold of everything. yeah, you know, it's like people don't change, technology does. You know, uh, people confront the same situations in life. Uh, you know the siblings, school, uh, what they're going to do in, in, in their future. 
uh, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff and all that. So, I mean, the lyrical content basically compared to then to now is the same. Yeah. But now everyone has a cell phone. <laughs> oh, my God. It must be... Are, are the shows just lit up like lanterns? Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. No one can see where they're going. I mean, you're, you're watching a show out of a little screen like that where you have the option to watch it normally and like, you know... Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Why, get it. why pay to go to a show you if they're going to put saying. your face on your phone? It's just very strange. I feel they, the same way, yeah. Like, uh, like being at like a Hollywood Bowl show and like... Uh, it's like if you're the whole part, thing. Yeah, but like I find myself, my eyes going towards the screen <laughs> and I go, what's the fucking point then? I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the, the little thing like that and you got this beautiful big stage. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, you know, a lot of people just want, want, want it, you know, to remember... I you guess, know, but I the just, moment. Yeah. I, think, I think I think the live tweet is sort of a the death of of, of good. You know, it's like can you just experience a thing without having to put your face down and say something every two seconds? And I yeah, say exactly. this as someone who's on Twitter a lot. And I I think I think eventually what will happen is people will um, will start embracing the idea of like you know you'll start seeing advertisements that's like no technology at the show. Like you have to leave your phone <laughs> uh, you and know, just focus on the show. I'm at an you know I, obviously I fly like you're at, at airports. People taking photos of you and they think you don't know they're doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're like, you know, looking up. And I, say, I go up to the guy and go, look, why don't you take, get someone to take a photo of us together? Wouldn't you like it to be in the photo? I mean, obviously, you know who I am. Let's do that together. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you don't have to be a sneak. Yeah. You know, you know, it's invasion of privacy, really. Well, I guess in that case, yeah, it is kind you know of. I mean, I, I mean, I'll sign autographs, take photos, but tell me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So. Andrew, I have a question for you. All right. How much of your so people must have an idea of, of who they think you are because of who you, who they see on stage. Is that is that you off stage? Is there or or did you have a little private piece that's like you know what what's what's the difference between the two? Do you really get wet? <laughs> well, definitely. I mean, oh, definitely. Very sweaty. Uh, it takes a lot of physical effort uh, to do anything. You know, uh, these days, I guess. So there's different skills you call upon for different levels of effort and different tasks. And, uh, for example, right now I, I could try to sing my answer or scream it or, or run around while doing so and headbanging. And it might be fun uh, for you <laughs> the folks in the room. Since there's no cameras, no one would actually be able to appreciate it beyond the room. But, you know, just like if I call my mom, I'm going to have a different, uh, I guess, end result I'm hoping to accomplish from that task. And we'll use the skills of trying to sound as uh, sweet and uh, sober to her as possible. <laughs> and then there's other moments when, uh, you know, I, I draw upon different skills. So I don't think there's any real person or real personality. Uh, it's just different times and different ways of behaving at, for different moments, you know? I guess, but I just think of like, uh, you know, I think of like Chuck Norris. And how Chuck Norris had to go around with a bodyguard because people were always like, I could kick that guy's ass. Right. You know what I mean? Wow. It's like when people wow. see you as like, oh, well, he's the party yeah. guy and he does this and he's a rock. You know, like they think that that you're in that mode all the time. Well, I absolutely am. I mean, there's just, there's just different, <laughs> different, different applications for it. I, I mean, the, the state of mind is to be glad you're not dead. Yeah, that's true. Basically, that's, that's to me the party's mindset is yep. to celebrate the fact that we're here at all. And then just, you know, there's many different ways to use that opportunity, and there's many different kinds of energy that it can conjure up. Uh, but fortunately, you know, the vibe that, that we put out, that Marky puts out, that, that all of our efforts that, that you guys put out, it's a good vibe. And so most people that we interact with are just friendly and, 
cheerful and, and have a good vibe as well. Well, most of them. I think. Uh, uh, are you still doing motivational speaking? Uh, yeah, well, lectures and things. Yeah, that's really. I really. That, I, that's probably one of my favorite things. That because it when uh, when I heard that you were doing that, I, I kind of thought, well, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, in a sense. Music is a kind of a, is sort of a form of motivational speaking. Absolutely, yeah. The feeling that you want to get, um, the feeling that I get from it was uplifting and, and cheerful. But I also realized that uh, I guess almost through doing more interviews like like this and talking, that just conversation can sometimes conjure up those same types of I don't know feelings of possibility, of inspiration, of motivation. You know, again, just to be aware that you're not dead. And there are people, believe it or not. I know it's hard for us to imagine that don't listen to loud music or don't get a good feeling at all from music, really. They have no connection, but they might get it from reading or they might get it like from a conversation. So I'd meet people that said they saw some interview or read something that connected with them, and I figured, well, why should they be left out of the party? We can uh, you know, get through to them and get them a good feeling you know, through some other means. So my main goal is to get that kind of energetic feeling also for myself. You know, I want to be cheered up and motivated and feel good so uh try to spread it around as many different ways as possible and so what is the what is the underlying theme of the like what do you what do you want to motivate people to do is it to do things or feel things or, or have a better life or what is it that you want i don't know it's more, mainly just to, to hang out and talk and party uh that <laughs> and most people seem to enjoy that uh, as much as i do so well it's like you know if, if i can do it you can do it. yeah <laughs> that's true you know what i mean that's true i'm i mean my yeah. life uh is proof that dreams can come true and that very unlikely adventures can take place yeah it's the film uh, uh, the movie uh, The Edge with uh, Alec Baldwin and oh, Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins yeah. where uh, he says all the way throughout the movie what one man can do another man can do is that um, <laughs> is that where they're in the prison or something no they're in the woods oh, okay which is like an outdoor here. prison <laughs> uh, without the biggest walls prison yeah, yeah. <laughs> Set of bars. And there was a bear, which they also have in prison. <laughs> bear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you gotta have the bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's just the idea. Stayful. I mean, that that is absolutely true. When when you know when people say like, "How do you do what you do?" Like, I don't know. I figured it out. Anyone can do it. You know, like you just you just create a certain set of circumstances and you know get a little bit of luck and you could you could do it too. How well, okay. anyone can do what they want, to, what they're meant to do. You yeah. Know? And that, figuring that out and having it aligned with your desires is maybe the harder part of believing that it's possible, but. You know, I would never tell someone to do exactly what I do or do anything that someone else is doing, but to do what they really want. And, uh, you know, finding out what that is can even be the most complicated part of all. I think so much has been set up, I don't know, by, by bad influences, but just influences in society and life in general to tell us that you would never even occur to you to think about wanting to do anything, you know, beyond survive. But, you know, we're very lucky in, in, in this day and age and for most of us to have a lot of the, the, the crucial aspects of life taken care of to some degree so then we can indulge in, you know, things beyond food and shelter, basically. Yeah, well, people definitely have this sort of... Um, it's almost like a uh, this internal director monologue that where they go, oh, I'd want to do this. And it goes, oh, you can't do that. And they go, okay, I guess I can't do that. Right. Not realizing that you don't have to listen to that. But I think it's important to remind people that you can ask your brain questions. If your brain says, no, you can't do that, then you can go, why couldn't I do that? Or how could I do that? Hopefully you're just, you know, you're propelled or, or, or drawn or pulled towards something that makes you feel good and just have the courage to actually do it, you know, more than once. Yeah. You know, do it over and over and over again. But even if you get to do it once, that's better than none. Just uh, never assume that it's not possible because 
you know, we've seen too many examples of, of very unlikely dreams coming true and very unlikely adventures taking place uh, to believe that it's not possible. It absolutely is. In fact, that's the way the world is set up to work. I think it's just uh, it's so hard to, you know, fully fathom it. Well, a lot of times people can't get out of their own fucking way. <laughs> like yeah. you can't you cannot get out of your own way to do the things that you think that you that you want to do. It's tricky. Well, you know, it all stems back to also to grandma and grandpa and uh, mother and father. My son, the doctor, the lawyer. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Can't do anything else, just that, you know? Yeah. So it's because it's been ingrained in society. Yeah. How did you, you, how did you get the, uh, the wherewithal to think you could do, do what you're doing? Like I, I just didn't listen to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you look at them and, and, and you go, why are they telling me this, you know? So it's, it's up to the individual. Was there a time when you realized that you were going to live this way forever? Yeah, when I was about 12. <laughs> 12 years old, you know. I didn't, I didn't get much from school. I didn't think there was anything there that, that could really help me, you know. And you found music? Uh, yeah, th- thank God. You know, because all the hypocrisy and bullshit. She's the line. No, you can say whatever you want. And all the bullshit out there that, you know, especially <laughs> stuff they teach in school. You know, it's, just, it's baloney. So uh, music was more of a realistic view of my point to the path that I wanted to take. Yeah. You know. Do you feel like, um, are you good at handling success, both of you? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, you, you, gotta, you, can't, you have to be you. You can't, you can't live this uh, uh, rock star lifestyle and come off like you're better than anyone else or that, no, I'm not going to sign any autographs, I'm not taking any photos with you. If you have that attitude, then you're going to lose your fans and friends because those are the people that got you where you are. And it, it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. Yeah. You know? So uh, when you stop acting yourself, then you're going to you have problems. Yeah. But I think that was – would you say that that was sort of the, um, the underlying uh, thing that sort of built the community amount around, like, the Ramones? I mean, you guys are coming out of this era where there's, like, arena rock, and the band is up there, and you're yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. way back there. But right. then with you guys, you're in it. You're there down with people playing like, right there. Right, CBGB's, Max's Kansas City in New York in 74. We finally had a place to play. I mean, I was in another band at the time uh, with Richard Hell and the Voidoids, but anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, our competition was the stadium rock and all that stuff and disco, but uh, the camaraderie that we had with the bands that started punk, like Talking Heads, uh, Television, uh, the Ramones, obviously, Blondie, and the Heartbreakers, the Dolls, uh, it, it was a small community. So, uh, yeah, you, you were right about that stadium stuff. You know, we were a lot closer uh, to our fans in, in that environment. Well, so all those bands that you mentioned, was it interesting for you to see how everyone sort of sprouted off in kind of their own... Yeah, everyone was different. I mean, uh, the Ramones didn't sound like Blondie. Uh, uh, Blondie didn't sound like Talking Heads. But, uh, you know, we were all hoping that that one thing... You know the musical uh, combination of people would would advance. Yeah. You know because it was just only two hundred fifty to three hundred people in CBGBs, so you wanted you wanted to, to 
to be accepted in Europe, all over the world, you know, which it finally did. But I think when you, with all those bands that you mentioned, I think when people look back, they go, oh, yeah, the Ramones were punk, but I don't think most people now would go, oh, Blondie was, you know, punk, or Talking Heads came out of the, you know, like that they, scene. They, yeah, they were different. They were more, uh, Talking Heads were more like a, uh, now they would be called, I guess, what, nerd rock or nerdy <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but, but good songs. Very good songs. Yeah. I don't con- I don't consider them a, a punk band. No, that uh, Blondie is more of a '60s girl group influence kind of thing, you know, uh, with a sense of humor. So, uh, but they had they have great songs, and then and they went disco, uh, which garnered them a lot of hits, some more power to them. But the Ramones, we stuck to our guns. Yeah, we didn't change. We didn't do them. We just stayed on that path yeah. yeah how are you you well obviously if you're a motivational speaker you must uh you must be pretty good with success or do you struggle with it or is it well i don't feel very successful yet so uh that was what i was asking marky like when did he realize this wasn't gonna his life was gonna go down this path it's all still very baffling to me that any of this has happened and and it's only been a few years where i realized wow maybe this really is just not gonna stop because there's been so much beyond my own Self, I also like what Marky was saying. So many other people have given me these chances. So many opportunities were ones I could never have dreamed up or even set out to have for myself. So there, do, there, there seems to be this outside influence, outside forces, and outside people beyond yourself that are responsible for the, the life that you're getting to have. So I just feel like uh, the only way I'll ever be able to feel like it's a success maybe is you know at the very end right before you die or something like well okay uh, I, d- I did that but I'm just more just really amazed that's the feeling that happens the longer I've gotten to do this just really really amazed that any of this has happened let alone that it's continuing to happen so I mean I get I, I work harder each year because I feel more obligated to do so and, and more uh, shocked that uh, I had another year to do anything, you know what I mean, uh, and, and and you know, and seeing people who are much more skilled, much more talented, or have all these other same things to offer, and why don't they have that same chance? So you just you just really take it less and less for granted, which I really thought would be the opposite. I think I would get used to things and be like, oh yeah, this is just how it is. But it's more just shocking, almost embarrassing. Like why why does this work out this way? But. Uh, the only rational uh, way to deal with that is just to, to apply yourself even harder to it. Do you feel like if you were to ever say, like, oh, I think I've reached that thing, are you afraid to ever think that because then you wouldn't put in as much effort or you would get comfortable or do you feel yeah, like... Yeah, maybe. I've seen people that, that seem to approach their work that way or their life in general where it's... I don't have any other interests is basically what the, the thing is. I, I see a lot of people who do have their their project or their work and whether it's being in a band or whether it's you know working in something in the creative arts they have their main interest which could be like their family which seems like a pretty good interest to have or uh you know their 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 hobbies even like certain things like golf and there's nothing wrong with any of this but i don't have any other interests there's nothing else that this is like funding for for me to do this is this is all it ever is uh and that, I think, is, is what keeps it um, from ever feeling like it's, it's getting older or, oh, yeah, I just wake up every day and do this thing. It's always, uh, you know, unpredictable and, 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 and strange and, and very pleasurable. And all my hobbies and interests were this before. I used to have jobs to, to be able to do this. 
And once you're able to do this all the time, then life gets pretty strange in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> I think when you when you you uh, approach it where you just want success, it's not going to happen. You have to really hone your skills, and all that will will come. Yeah, a lot of people go, well, I want to make a lot of money, you know, but you really have to become great at what you do to achieve that. Right. You know, that comes first. You know, what you want to do, then the success of money comes later. And then, <clears throat> then the interesting question to ask people is, well, why do you want that? Right. And a lot of times they don't have an answer. They go, oh, I don't know, just so I don't have to worry about anything. Like, so I don't oh, have to work. I don't know if yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah, so but then what? Right. But then you're exactly. still, still going to do something and then you're Definitely. still going to still have responsibilities. Yep. And a lot of times just as many more responsibilities. Yeah. So Where it's a commodity, you're a commodity. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that success, the idea of success or failure is not for some reason, maybe it's just the way that our brains have to process it, but I really don't think it's as black and white as like, oh, now you're this or oh, you didn't. I mean, it's all a process. It's a long process. Exactly. And it's sort of like a a bit of a sine wave and sometimes it's things are better and sometimes there's a dip and it's not really it's a roller coaster it is yeah. i th- i think i think success is and by the way you definitely have it but it's 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 if you're able to do the thing that you love um, and you don't have to do shit that you hate to survive. I think that's, that's success. That's, success. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. a good way to look at it. No you know, matter what you do. No matter no matter right. what you do. It, you know, like no matter how much money you make, no matter what this, as long as if you can be happy doing what you're doing, and you don't have to, you know. Obviously, there are going to be some times where you go, I don't really feel like doing this. But there, that's different. Than, it's a deeper feeling there'll be that will push you through those moments yes. where it's not as enjoyable or convenient. No, I, I that is a great way to look at it. Just that. Uh, if when you can fully apply yourself to something, even actually doing the parts that maybe are painful or less than comfortable, there's a satisfaction in even having something to push up against like that. To to have a reason to to give everything you have, that's like the best feeling of all. You know, even yeah. if it amounts to nothing other than that you just did that. Yeah. You know, you could run a, a marathon and no one knows that you ran it, but if you know that you gave everything you had to something, and to really know that, because when I sing with Marky. I know at that end of the show, I could not have given any more energy. You know what I mean? And that, that is, a, there's a pleasure, and it's not a satisfying kind of contentment. It's like the sense of, wow, well, you know, if I had to die right now, I'll go out on, on this is a high note. Even if it's just for me, just to know that uh, you had that chance to, to give yourself to something, you know. Well, and you also know that there are those shows where... Even if by the crowd's reaction the show went well, but if you didn't do what you feel like you could have done, then you're like, oh, fuck. And that's and one of those, like, yeah. Oh, no, the show was great. No, I know, but I should have. That's could've. those funny band things, It's too. a war. It's a war. <laughs> it's a constant war. It's a war. You have to different be, perspectives. You always have to be, if there's only one person in the audience, you have to make believe it's 10,000. Yeah. You have to give it all you got because there's somebody else out there that will. Yeah. You know, so and also, you know, well, especially going back to the look, if there's, you know, 10 people there and not not that you guys have to worry about this anymore. But if there's only 10 people there, it's not their fault that a thousand people didn't show up. Yeah. Exactly. You know, yeah, right. well, yeah I know. Well I, well, I say, well, we're not coming back or anymore. You know, yes. but it, you know, you can't you can't do that. You yeah. know, they, they came to see you and you got to perform. Yeah. I, you know? I just did a show like this the other day where. <clears throat> For whatever reason, just I think the way it was advertised, there were only about ten people there, and it was in a big room. This wasn't with Marky; it was my own show, and there was, you know, I was disappointed and 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 felt 
you know, discouraged and a, a bit embarrassed, which I don't feel that ashamed by either because I really, you know, uh, you try to bolster yourself and feel very invincible, but you also have to be open enough to care that you're, you know, offering a good thing and that people want to see it. So it always can be kind of a bummer. But what I really realized at this show, and I played, the show was actually really great and we played really well. The people in that front row, the 10 people that were there, they don't see the empty room behind yeah. them. <laughs> All they see is the, the stage and the show is happening. So to them, there might as well be a thousand people behind them. I mean, maybe the cheering is a, a different volume level. But uh, from my own experiences seeing shows, nothing else mattered except what was happening right then. And it, had, it, it might as well have been, you know, the, the amount of impact that the show had on me. It was enough. I could have represented 10,000 people in my excitement for seeing the band that, you know, maybe was playing to just me that night. So always remember, too, like, you never know how it's going to go down and for the people that are there it, it could be the best show that they've ever seen you know and it do and a lot of times it can be a really special experience like oh my god i get to see it's almost like they feel like it's a private like a private show private event yeah and <laughs> for hire personal yeah. private event and that's where you can uh yeah, yeah I, I did a show once in atlanta and like there were like 10 people there this is a few years ago and uh, and my first thought was like, well, like no one wants to come to see me. I can't ticket. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. So maybe it's the wrong. You know, just go through that whole thing. Of course. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. And so uh, I put a chair up on stage and I brought them up one by one and basically just interviewed them for the as as the show. And you'll remember that show more than many others. Exactly. Probably, right? and, it, and you're like, it was really it really was a special. And I'm so glad that 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 happened so that we you know that we could have that experience. And so it was like just a really fun little community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was good. a lot of fun and you didn't stop I mean that's the main thing you, you, you want to have a variety a, a texture uh, of, of flavors and experiences and, and, and moods and emotions and that's one of the great things about uh, this kind of work this creative work is you really get to explore all those different feelings this reminded me of another show that I'll never forget there was a show we played on the OzFest festival against my band years in 2002 where for whatever reason we actually had to go on stage before the doors even opened and this was around 9 a.m. in the morning. It's a you know outdoor festival. Great all day time long. for music. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and we, it was in the, in the gorge, you know, outside Seattle in, in Washington, which is a beautiful venue. You're playing in looks like you know the Grand Canyon, and literally you could see the people lined up, you know, <laughs> a mile away, standing at the gate that's closed. They're all tailgating with coffee. <laughs> we just you know, and they, it wasn't yeah. their fault, but we still played. And I actually just ran around the field with the really long mic cable and just sort of used up as much space as I could. I think there was two people, literally, that were just actually working at the, the festival. They weren't even, uh, you know, ticket buyers. But I'll never forget that was one of the more memorable shows of all time, just to play before the place is even open. Yeah. So. Well, it, all, it, all, it also comes down to, uh, like, sort of... Uh, people get... Um, well, you know, as performers, our egos are fragile sometimes, you know, because you put yourself out there a little bit, and you, yes. wanna, you still want to feel like what you're doing, people are getting it or appreciating it. But I think, you know, everyone kind of has this pre-programmed mission statement in their head before they do something, and maybe they don't realize it. But I think as a performer, if, you're, if your mission statement is like, I want to go out there so people will love me, that is a very dangerous mission statement to have. <laughs> as opposed to, hey, I want people to leave my show feeling better than when they got it. I want people to have fun. They were entertained. Exactly. Then it doesn't fucking matter how many people are there. there you go. And and then it and then any situation, no matter what, you can turn into something positive. If that's if that's kind of your if that's kind of your mission. 
It's a strange dichotomy, like you mentioned with ego, because uh, it's simultaneously this feeling of being on top of the world, and you're on the stage, and there's spotlight, and the people are here, and they're excited to see you, and excited about what you're doing. So you have this big rush of, of confidence, and then it's also the most vulnerable, humiliating, you know, devastating, potentially uh, heart-wrenching experience to put yourself in front of anybody. You know, to, to, to offer anyone anything is very vulnerable. So it's that push and pull of feeling on top of the world and just feeling also completely just like the worst, you know, very, very intense, uh, frightening feelings. But, you know, I, I'm definitely drawn to that intensity because it's going to be intense no matter what. It's either going to be intensely, you know, great or intensely scary or in, intensely depressing or intensely, uh, you know, uplifting. I, I don't want a boring life. So you might as well have, you know, an intense life and the courage to uh, appreciate it. And all this will be on display at the Henry Fonda Theater. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. The man is a wow. pro. Uh, Tuesday. Mm. Come one, come all. <laughs> um, so uh, on the flip side of that, when we're talking about, like, oh, only ten people show up. So as a, as a punk band, it, was it ever odd when, like, shit tons of people started showing up? Okay, good question. I just did Rock and Rio. <laughs> Uh, two or three weeks ago, two hundred fifty thousand people Jesus watching. So uh, it, it's definitely different confronting that compared to a club. You know, it's not as intimate. And I am so happy to be back playing five, six, seven hundred people a night uh, in in the uh, venues that we chose. And I mean, I have nothing against these huge festivals and these outdoor things. But I understand why a lot of uh, musicians like to, to be in a smaller place again. Because you learn from each capacity, you know, how to, uh, you know, it's a, it's a learning process. It, it never ends. Yeah. How you uh, perform in, in front of different kinds of uh, masses. Yeah. You know, so that, that was pretty unusual. I couldn't even see the end of the crowd. Oof. I guess, I guess, I mean, that's probably a little more acceptable for, for music, but with, uh, I mean, if, if you have a massive crowd, but it's sort of funny with, um, I, I have to relate everything back to comedy, and I apologize, but that's okay. just what I know. Um, it's that, a mad, mad world. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, there's a point where, you know, because there's a lot of, co- some comics will do, like, Madison Square Garden or whatever, and there are not many people can do it, but some right, do. Right. And I'm sort of like, why would you? I mean, I'm sure you get paid a lot of money, but why wouldn't you do more shows in a smaller venue? Because it Beacon needs Theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs to be. You know, I feel like when you start getting above a thousand people, then it's uh, then it's not really about the show anymore because it's people can get distracted it's an and event. they're not. Yeah, and then it's an event and, it, and it's not. You know, and then you can't really connect with people as much. Yeah, I mean. Um... Yeah, I noticed that too, uh, especially in rock and roll, Lollapalooza, all those things. You, know, you, you could be playing, and then there's a guy uh, wa- walking around with a newspaper and a cup of coffee, talking to the phone. So, <laughs> not, a lot of the time, they're not really there to listen to the music. They're there to maybe pick up a girl, a girls there yeah. to pick up a guy. So it's like a, it's like a small city, yeah, of, of what they're doing, like what everyone else does, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, every venue is different. What's your so favorite venue? Like, do, if you can say, do you have like a favorite venue? Uh, well, New York was it was always always great. To, it is always great to play. Uh, Tokyo. I'm naming cities now. You know, yeah. Because uh, uh, South America, Argentina, Brazil, uh, really cool. Uh, Greece, Athens, Barcelona, Spain. 
uh, China was unbelievable, Beijing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's so westernized now. It's just, uh, it just comes out of the woodwork. That's crazy. Uh, again, Russia. Wow. Whole new, whole new ball game there now, you know? So uh, it, it's different everywhere, really. You since, know. since you've been around the world a bunch of times now with music, like, do you still get excited when you're going to a city and you oh, yeah. try to make it in the schedule so you have time to at least yeah. enjoy it? Yeah, you, uh, you, you see these things as a young teenager in postcards. Yeah. You go, oh, I'd like to go there. Or you on TV, you see a movie, uh, you know, a uh, spy film. A, guy, a guy's in Zurich or he's in uh, you know, London. Go, boy, I'd love to go there, see Big Ben and everything else, you know, the Thames and all that stuff, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was one of the reasons, too, because I really wanted to travel a lot and just see places. Can I also just say that as a young, like, I'm sure young young people are like, yeah, man, fucking rock and roll, you used to sleep all day and you fucking get fucked up on it. You guys are both in really good shape. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you have to, you have, you would have to be in decent shape to maintain the shows and the lifestyle yeah. also, 35 songs even just a Ramones like set is just it's non-stop <laughs> that is non-stop it's that uh, is very athletic yeah. yeah it's that style of music there's all different kinds um, I mean you can you can play mellow music and you'll have a m- mellower physique I guess <laughs> if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna get you know if you're gonna stay in bed all day and uh, whatever uh, you're not gonna be able to do this because you have to be in good shape. You have to tour. You got to fly. You got to go to hotels. You got to do interviews. You got to do the show. So uh, there, there is ultimately stress levels that you have to deal with, but it's how you deal with them. Yeah. You know? yeah. And have you gotten better at that over the years, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time, I mean, I had been in bands and, and, and played shows since, you know, I guess elementary school and things like that. It was always just what we would do for fun music and record but actually going on tour um as the andrew wk for the first time we played in uh in england and (laughs) i remember after the very first show we played it was actually a very mild tour in terms of the schedule it was very comfortable uh we were on a bus and we only had played two shows and we have a day off or sometimes two days off i couldn't imagine doing another show at all after that first one, <laughs> let alone that we had to do it again the next night. Yeah. I was completely overwhelmed. Um, but then, yeah, you build up a, a level of, of uh, it's almost like a reserve strength, but also just the adrenaline. And what happens is now to, it's harder to stop than it is to keep going. It takes more energy to come down from this way of life than it is to even maintain now because the, the, you have to have this constant adrenaline level like Marky said, just to even go through the traveling, let alone performing. And once it's on, you get hooked and you don't want it to stop. You don't want to come down from it. No, you really have to learn how to be like a master economist with your energy Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to manipulate. Because, you know, like it's, it's easy to see why people go get super fucked up after shows because you're, you're just like this. They want know? to come down. Yeah, they want to come down or they, they just want to feel it's just it's just having to deal with that. It's a very weird thing to do. Performing is a very strange it's a weird anomaly in our culture. It's a strange thing to do and it's a and I don't, you know, I'm sure people think, "Oh, you go on stage and then have, and then that's it." You're like you still got to deal with that shit. You've got <laughs> yeah. to process that experience. That's Your brain's got to... Very overwhelming. Yeah. Very emotional. And it's strange. You'll feel very sad 
Isn't no that reason. weird? Isn't yeah. that weird? Even after the biggest, I, I always after the biggest best shows when I would feel the most. It's not even sad. Like my mood is sad. It's you know what I think it is, and I think this is a very important way to think about depression in general. Not for everybody, but in a lot of cases, all depression is is your soul trying to absorb the actual physical experience that you just went through, and it's trying to muster up the strength and space inside your own brain, basically to say this life experience just happened and I think it's just it's what we would call a come down or whatever it, it's the only way your body can process the life as you're living it and I used to get really upset and freaked out when that feeling would come and almost feel guilty like why am I feeling down or depressed or sad I have no right to feel this way now I just don't take it seriously because I know it's just my body it's like trying to digest life yeah, you know, and and apply it so you can absorb it into your your actual being. That's really smart. When you when you can recognize that your body and your brain have patterns, and you go, "Oh, that's just that thing." Exactly. Then you feel a little like, "Ah, oh, that's just the thing I go through." Exactly. But I I have always thought that um, not in the cases of chemical depression, but just in the cases of like, "Oh, I'm I feel sad or depressed." I've always sort of looked at depression as like um, excitement without an outlet. It's sort of like excitement that's trapped. And you can't express it, so it just sort of flips over, mm. and then and then it sort of flips over to the negative of like, ah, oh, I don't, I wanted to be able to do this thing, and now I can't, and I feel empty and weird, and it's like you, you it's just, just weird. That's what it is. It's a very bizarre yeah. physical sensation. It's and it's that's what it's, it's less of a mood. It feels more like a physical feeling. Yeah. Uh, and again, like I have someone who have had all different kinds of moods, and so I've always sought out things that made me feel cheered up. Uh, and assume that that's why most other people were doing them. Uh, you know, even if you listen to, to angry music, it still feels good, or music that's about what we might call negative things. It's still uplifting. So you just want to be around that and 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 uh, saturate yourself with the uh, you know cheerful cheerful stuff. <laughs> it's also uh, if you're a, if you're someone who's hyper aware of yourself and things, then uh, you can also have that experience where. You, so you're doing something that you always dreamed of. And in your head you're going, is it it? Is this it? Is it happening right now? What am I supposed to be feeling? Should I be happier? Should I be sad? What am I supposed to be? It's like you, you get so hyper aware of the situation that I find that a lot of the things, I sort of have to go back and retro and basically retroactively go, oh, that really was an amazing experience. Because at the time, you're just not, you don't yeah. know what the fuck you're supposed to be doing or exactly. thinking. You just do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> and now we have doctors dispensing all these pills for these depressions, you know, so, yeah. which, uh, which I'm totally against. You know, it's up to the individual, but it's funny, you know, when I was young, a doctor would say, uh, this is what you need. Now, uh, a lot of people going, oh, this is what I want. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. And the doctor goes, okay, you can have it. Uh, you know? Well, I definitely think, you know, there are definitely some people who are, are, are helped by definitely. medication yep. and stabilizing and like people who really are chemically, who do have imbalances in the brain. But I think most people... Um, it's an easy app. It, it is sort of an easy, like, it's oh, like, I should just yeah. take that. It's like I stubbed my toe, I'll, I'll take uh, three Xanax. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. You know what I mean? I like this, this logic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, come on. Or again, yeah. just that we don't have to get too caught up. Like, what we think of as not feeling good, maybe that's not even that bad. Maybe these, certain, these, these kinds of moods, whatever expectations, that's what I changed in my own brain over the years I, didn't, I don't really feel differently uh, or better more of the time I just feel better about not feeling that great certain times and just understand that's part of the, the process yeah. and to appreciate the whole thing 
being alive is a positive experience by its very nature. You know what I mean? You're in the red, or is it the in the black? You're in the black. You're I in think. the black because yeah. you're existing. You know. So with that, with that, why not? Again, savor the whole range of flavors. Yeah. Uh, even the ones that maybe are a bit bitter or a bit you know scary or whatever. I don't want to have a, a one-dimensional life or just feel the same way all the time. You want to feel fully alive, you know? And then as humans, we can have all these different feelings and have the ability, like you're saying, to be aware of them and appreciate them. Well, it's easy to forget that when you're feeling, a, a, and when you're feeling negatively, you know, you, you kind of, your brain is very, uh, <laughs> it's very narrow. Like, you forget, oh, this will pass. <laughs> like, yeah. it's not, I've the drama. Felt, I've felt this before and it's been okay, you know, yeah, ultimately. It's, it's like your first girlfriend. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> if your best friend takes her away from you, you know, the other girls. Yeah. But then you, then you have to realize, well, later in life, you realize it wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. But it, it did pass. Yeah. yeah. Know, so. Well, that's just, uh, that, that, that's just our, our baby brains. Like, that's right. what are these things called feelings <laughs> and emotions? Exactly. And it was all valuable. I mean, that, appreciating even bad relationships, there was some value there. Even the time, you know, there's always some good time, even in the worst, like any bad friendship or, you know, business problems or, or stress. And I've been dealing with things, you know, constantly like anyone else where it's very hard to see the, uh, the silver lining, but even the worst experience has something to offer. Or how many yeah. times have you gone through something and you go, oh, this is, fu- oh, I can't believe this is the worst. And then, you know, a year later you go, holy shit, if I didn't have that experience, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be where I, you know, I wouldn't have had this. So, you, you know, you look back and you go, it sucks that I went through that, but it was kind of a weird gift. It was the path. Yeah, it, it was, was the, the road, path. you know. Yeah. There's ups and downs on the roller coaster, but once you're locked in, the ride's going to take you where it's supposed to go. And as long as as long as you kind of say to yourself like, "Well, the path doesn't have an endpoint, that it's just you just continue along the path, you know, as forever." Then uh, then I think that to me is kind of comforting because it doesn't feel like, "Oh, there's a some point I have to get to. It's just no. It's just a series of little checkpoints, and then but you keep going, and, and you get cooler and cooler as you. You go. hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 that, it, and that leads to the Henry Fonda theme. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and bringing it back all around. Unfortunately, this podcast does have an endpoint, and we've just about reached it. Yeah, we're almost wow. at an hour. Whoa. So nice I talking to I you guys. It. Though, see, you, you, see, well, when you've done this, when you've done as many of these as you have, you do have this internal sort of. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's very good. It was very in depth. It was good, talk, you know, talking about all this. Oh, it's been really, it's, it's really, it's really great. And then seeing the two of you guys, you know, together and sort of, you know, where you are in your careers, but coming together to, you know, to make this this familiar but new thing at the same time. It's kind of, it's cool. It's really it's, cool. Uh, Thank it's you. It, it's working. Um, I want to kind of, I want to end this with. Uh, I was I was reading about you on the internets last night, Andrew, and you, you the list of your band names is one of my favorite things. Oh wow! I've wow. seen. Uh, in- I thought you were going to bring up the internet rumors that there are many different Andrew WKs. <laughs> what is that a rumor? Yes. Have you ever heard? That's of That's the only way I was able to form all these different bands. Yeah. <laughs> right now, there's another Andrew WK doing WTF again, and then another, yeah, yeah, yeah. another Andrew WK. Yeah. You know, that's the great thing about uh, bands is coming up with a name. It's the hardest thing, but also one of the most fun things. So. This is probably, you know, the, the total about 20, 25 different people just rotating. 
but these almost are... for the sake of coming up with a new band name. I mean, sometimes that would be just the very reason to. But is that done on purpose to dilute? <laughs> what the quality? Dilute who we are, or is yeah. it all the band names? No, no, your name or my oh. name or anyone's name. You know, and so it's an index. It's a it's a way to know, to locate someone to on the map. Like you know, yeah. twenty names that are the same. Like say Marky Ramone times twenty, and there's only one. I mean, is is it there purposely to dilute who you are, or is it just what is it? I agree with you. I think I think it's an experiential index where you look at a thing and you go, oh, that is that thing that feels like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's always yeah. ways to get get there, and here's another another hopeful another another path. But I really do I really do like these names. I mean, like each one of them, I like, and they're all they all have totally different vibes. There's Slam, Reverse Polarity, Lab Lobotomy, The Pterodactyls, Music Band. <laughs> yup, yup. I played drums in that for a short Mr. time. Mr. Velocity yeah. Hopkins. No, that's, a, that's an actual gentleman. That's a, that's an, a, a, it's, so that was a, a band that he formed, but his name was Mr. Velocity Hopkins, so I can't take credit for that one. Uh, Cathode, The Portly Boys, Kangoo, The Beast People, Stormy Rodent, <laughs> a later iteration Stormy of Scheme. Rodent? Stormy yeah. Rodent. Stormy <laughs> Rodent. The Malt Lickers, Isis and the Werewolves, and Sucking Coeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the, those names I made up, and many of them Wonderful. I didn't. So I was just fortunate enough to be around, uh, you know, these very creative people, and they showed me that uh, you can make up a great band name. And eventually, you were just like, I guess it'll just be my name. Well, that is true. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you had someone to say, "What's in a name?" What's yeah. in a name? But it is, it is sort of funny. That's like, and and I think that right there, and I think this is a good place to to, to stick the landing, is that. Uh, that is, a, that is a very interesting meta metaphor for life of where, you know, you're searching all around for the perfect thing and then in the end you find out it's you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's like you find out, you search everywhere outside and then you're like, oh, maybe I'm the thing. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I should find myself. Yeah, I changed my name. I had to when I joined the Ramones. Yeah, that's sort of part of it. <laughs> it was Mark Bell. That's my real name. Then we were tossing around names. And uh, we came up with Marky Ramon because of a uh, serial character from the 60s named Marky Mapo, uh, <laughs> which was a popular serial along with Farina and Wetina. And he was, the, uh, he was the main spokesman, this little cowboy cartoon kid. So, uh, and my grandmother used to call me Marky, so that's how I got that. You know? oh, wow. so, so who knows where his band's yeah. members got the names from. You know, well, not a serial kid. That's a fucking great story. <laughs> it's, it's um, and, and, and you know, I bought the doll on eBay. Oh, wow. what? You it sits it? there staring at me with Marky on his cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I think of my grandmother when I see that, and I go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, she didn't particularly like the loud bashing of the drumming. <laughs> yeah, it's so, not. You know, it's not I, grandma music. Talking, you know, uh, pretty heavy negativity there. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I overcame that. So, you know. and then of course in the in the in the late eighties with Marky Mark, you're like, you son of a bitch. Hi, whatever. <laughs> you know, who came first? You know, <laughs> the, the egg or the chicken, <laughs> or, or the cereal, boss, whatever cereal, definitely. The well, cereal came for us. Thank you so much for being here. So uh, your show is actually, this, this is going up, to, what's the date tomorrow is the? Uh, 15th. Yeah. Okay, so this is going up the 15th. So the show is Tuesday the 15th at the, at the, at the Fonda Theater uh, here in Los Angeles. And uh, really wonderful chatting with you guys. I didn't, you know, we never know which direction these chats are going to go in, but uh, I absolutely was delighted. Could go on for another hour. Though. We could. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're going to release you back into the live. <laughs> we're going to go to Cantas and have some chop lover. Oh, there nice. <laughs> cool. Cherry phosphate. Good to see you guys. Yeah. Thank you very much. Enjoy yeah, your burrito. Thanks. Thank you.
Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuel, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family Podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.